The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Daniel Roth, LinkedIn's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome back to This Is Working. The buzzword of the year has been pivot, and today's guest knows a thing or two about making necessary business changes. Sir Richard Branson's name is synonymous with the hundreds of businesses he's run or currently runs under the Virgin Group. Some of his newer ventures include Virgin Galactic, Virgin Voyages, and Virgin Orbit. There is no question that Branson gets attention for almost everything he does, and the company benefits from it. The Virgin Group brings in over $21 billion in global revenue annually. But Branson's empire has been hard hit this year, as has any company that operates in the travel and leisure industry. That said, we have watched Branson come back many times before. During Hurricane Irma, which tore through his Necker Island compound, he hunkered down in his wine cellar and then emerged and rebuilt the island's homes and resources. That is very emblematic of Branson's style. Pivot, survive, reshape, rebuild, keep moving forward. In this conversation, Richard tells us how he's navigating the current crisis, what his company is doing to help startups and small businesses around the world survive, and his advice to entrepreneurs about weathering the storms of 2020. We caught up with Sir Richard on that rebuilt Necker Island home. I've always worked from home ever since I was uh, a teenager. But you know, from starting off at a houseboat, the home is now a little bit more expansive and e- even nicer than being on a houseboat. And the great thing about working from home, and, and I think a lot of people have got the taste of that through, because of COVID, is that you can either work really hard for two hours, you know, go and spend two hours. Um, you know, I mean, if you're living on an island, you can go kiting, or uh, if you're living in a in a city on a on a bike or or running or playing tennis, and then you know, come back, work hard for another two or three hours, then have another two or three hours to go off and look, look after yourself, your body, find time for your family, your children, um, your grandchildren, and so getting that balance. I, I think a lot of people have managed to get it right during COVID. I know, you know, a lot of people who just felt, you know, I was slightly overweight that they, they, they got in a trainer, they just went for it and they got themselves fit again. But that should be the norm, I think. You know, if, if they can work home as well as they can work in an office, um, they shouldn't be forced to go to an office. Well, I would love to get into that more. We're going to talk about what you've seen from your own employees and how they have learned to uh, work from home and whether you're going to go back. But I would love to start with a question about how you are navigating 2020. This year has obviously been an incredibly tough one for anyone who's in the travel or leisure business uh, like you are. So can you just walk us through what 2020 has been like for you? Well, I mean, six months ago, um, when this started, in a business sense, felt like the end of the world because you know all, all of our pretty well all of our businesses uh, were, were, were had to close down. So airlines in Australia, Virgin Atlantic, um, Virgin Voyages, our cruise company, our health clubs, and so on and so on. I mean, hotels and so on. But um, you know what we did was you know, and one advantage actually of working from home is you can bunker down. When, when things are tough and just work incredibly hard to try to sort out the problems. And, and that's what we did. And we've got a fantastic team of people at the Virgin Group who worked with the various Virgin companies very closely. And we, you know, we've managed to, I think, save all, all the companies. And I, and I think they'll be the stronger uh, when we come out of this pandemic. 
We were fortunate that, you know, our, our diversification also included um, space travel and, and Hyperloop and space travel um, is, is doing really well and is on a, on a very, very exciting time. So, so one, one advantage of diversification is sometimes when some companies get hit, you can actually tap into those companies that are doing well to balance the books and help out. You say that all the companies are going to survive and, and, and you see a path forward now, but there must have been a point where you were wondering whether that was actually going to be the case. Did you go through a period where you were concerned that you might have to fundamentally change the nature of the Virgin Group? Yes. I mean, in, in the early days, I, I remember saying if, the, if our airlines are grounded for six months, it's going to be very difficult for us to survive and it'll be very difficult for any airline to survive. I mean, when, when you've got every single plane just sitting on the runway. Well, six months on, they are all just sitting on the runway and we are working with government to try to hurry up a testing regime so that people can travel quickly without having to quarantine when they get to the, 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 you know, the other end. And uh, I mean, obviously, the American election has got in the way somewhat, so we're not getting as much traction as we'd like. And governments, governments can be very, very slow on things like this. But I think, um, you know, I'm hopeful that sometime over the next two or three weeks, a sensible testing regime will be worked out. I mean, for instance, somebody gets tested you know, three days before they leave, and then they will then only have to quarantine for two days. Uh, if somebody tests five days before they leave, they won't have to quarantine at all. These are some of the discussions we're having with governments, and we, we just need them to be brave and get on with it. And is that something that you do yourself? Are you personally getting involved in trying to move some of these testing discussions forward or see what you can do to push governments in this direction? Yes. I mean, I think I've learned the art of delegation. Um, I've got a fantastic team of people. So the day-to-day -day running of all the Virgin companies and the Virgin Group can go on without me. That then frees me up so that when there is a crisis like COVID, I can pick up the phone. And, you know, fortunately, being a well-known figure, I can mo most likely get through to pretty well anybody in the world. And that can save a lot of the difficulties for people who are running our companies, cutting through the bureaucracy and getting things done. And so I think firefighting is one of the key things for, for a, a chairman of a company. Obviously, you know, another advantage of working from home is that I can think about the bigger picture and I can dream, dream big and I can start new things. You know, um, as I said earlier, you know, by working from home, I can keep really fit and healthy. And I'm now 70 years old. And, you know, being fit and healthy is critical if you want to live to 100, which why not? Yep. You mentioned thinking big. I uh, wanted to ask you about Virgin Galactic, which you mentioned has been one of the success stories. And, you, and you've got the Mach 3 aircraft design that's come out. What should people expect in terms of when Virgin Galactic is going to move from you know, these are big ideas that are coming to this is going to be a normal way to be able to travel? A normal way of being able to travel takes time. I think that you know, our, our first challenge is getting myself to space in, in early on in the new year, and then and then starting getting other people into space. But we, we also have a team that are working on uh, real high speed supersonic travel. And we, we only want to do it if we can actually do that in, in an environmentally friendly way. So they're working on that in tandem. And then we have Virgin Orbit, which, um, will be doing its launch before Christmas, where we're going to launch a giant rocket attached to a 747 into orbit, you know, traveling at 
18,000 miles an hour around around the Earth, drop it, dropping off satellites and doing actually doing testing for NASA. And, and so that's another exciting venture that is is on the verge. I want to take it back down to Earth for a second. Do you see fundamental shifts in how people travel, at least during this pandemic era? I think there will be fundamental shifts. I think that there's going to be millions and millions of people who want to get on planes and go on holiday to you know sunny spots and you know if if they can afford it stay there for a few months i hope that there will still be as big a business market as there was before and virgin atlantic has you know what we've tried to do is offer quality in you know, in all our cabins i mean really good quality in all our cabins but charge less for it and i think that that's what we aspire to do in the future as well you know, I don't think the business travel will come back in as big a way as it has in the past. You know, I may be mistaken. I wish, I wish, it, I obviously hope it does. So if business travel doesn't come back, you're thinking that more people continue. Let's, let's, let's discuss work from home. This is something that you're an expert in. Um, do you think that the way that we are doing business now of spending so much time on video calls and uh, over uh, email and shared docs. Will that continue even when a vaccine comes, when it is possible to go back to work? Uh, and are you are you putting in any kind of changes at the Virgin Group, you and your, your people, to enable this kind of virtual workforce, if so? Um, I'm absolutely certain that th this kind of communication will continue. Um, I think, you know, Zoom will continue to do well and other companies like it. But I think that over the next two or three years, people will realize that actually, you know, traveling and meeting people face to face is important. And actually you get, you know, great ideas. I always get great ideas from traveling. And I think, you know, it's important that people see the world and, and, and actually understand you know, when they read the news, what's going on in the world. And so, I, you know, I do, I do think real travel will come back, but I think it'll take two or three years before it comes back to the kinds of levels it, it did in the past. You just mentioned this idea of how traveling actually opens up ideas. And I'm wondering if you were worried at all about a little bit more of a closed world of people with borders. We've had a discussion years ago about whether populism and closed borders will have an impact on business. Now, borders are closed for health reasons. Does that change how people uh, interact or the kind of ideas that spread? Are you worried at all about whether we can continue to come up with great ideas or whether people start getting a little bit more narrow in their thinking in this era? I'm afraid that I think the last four years has seen a, a big shift to you know people thinking in a much more na narrow way and maybe not caring as much for their neighbors um, as, as they should. Hopefully that, you know, we can shift away from that over, say, the next four or five years. And, and I think we have to. I mean, this world is a very small world. Um, I mean, I've almost been around it in a balloon. So, I've, you know, I, I know just how small it is. It's an incredibly beautiful world. It's a world that we've all got to get out there and treasure and protect. And, you know, people are very much part of this world. And we've got to do everything we can to nurture and look after people and I think one, maybe the only way you can actually do that actually is, you know, go to Africa and, you know, spend time maybe with somebody who's got fistula or a horrible affliction that happens to young girls who've got pregnant too early or spend time with a deaf kid and see what can be done. The reason I actually mentioned the last one, one of, one of the best moments of my life was, um, you know, we were giving hearing aids to these kids in an African village and, and one little eight-year-old, um, I was just turning it up and suddenly she heard her mother for the first time and this scream of joy. <laughs> and um, so, 
you know, anyway, so traveling opens up, you know, you, you just learn so much from it. I remember spending time in Africa when HIV was rampant and, you know, literally all the way down the streets, all you saw was funeral parlor adverts, nothing else. And you'd go to a hospital and the waiting room would just be full of people waiting for somebody to die so that they could get in the bed and die themselves. And as a result of that, we um, encouraged the government to set up an African Centre of Disease Control, which it didn't have. And the African Centre of Disease Control is now working very hard on the, the current crisis. So if I hadn't actually been there, it may not have happened. And it's something positive can come out, out of these things. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Medtronic. Medtronic is dedicated to the pursuit of life-transforming healthcare technology. From artificial intelligence to robotics and beyond, health tech is reinventing what's possible. Every year, Medtronic improves the lives of 74 million people. And we're just getting started. Visit Medtronic.com to learn more. I'm also going to talk to you about one of the groups that's been hardest hit because of the pandemic has been small businesses. And we're seeing really small businesses really struggle to keep their doors open, keep clients coming in, or to figure out how to do their work when they can't even have people inside their inside their their premises. I know with Virgin Startup, you do a lot of work with small businesses. You funded, I think, about 3,500 businesses over the years. And what kind of advice do you give small businesses right now about either how to start, whether to start, or how to survive uh, this very uh, odd time we're in? If I reflect back to when I had my first business, I think that, you know, the apart from looking after and motivating one's team, the only thing that mattered was survival. I mean, that, that one word. So you just we just had to fight to survive and do everything we could to survive. But I think equally important, because I'm afraid a lot of people will go through this, if you've done everything you can to survive and you don't survive, don't dwell on it. Uh, I mean, pick yourself up the next day, work out what you've learned from running the business, brush yourself down and be ready when COVID is over to start again. And I think a lot there will be a lot of people out there who will, you know, will be going through that, that really difficult time at the moment. Bigger companies like Virgin, you know, we, because we value our reputation, you know, we, we'll put our hands in our pockets and we'll bail out companies that maybe shouldn't really be bailed out, that, you know, that on financially we should have let them go. But fortunately, we can afford to do that. But I think for, for smaller business owners, they're at least blessed that in the 18th century, they brought in the ability to collapse a company without it, be, you know, taking people's private homes and so on and, or being put into prison or whatever. And, and I think people will respect people who take the tough decision and start again. And Richard, how, how do you make that tough decision? When do you, do you wait until there is just no more carrying on a business? Or is there a time where you make this go, no go call? It's not easy for anybody. I think people will know when, when the writing is on the wall. Um, I mean, they, you just got to fight day and night. I will never regret anything as long as I've done absolutely and utterly everything I can to avoid failure. And if having done everything I can, it, you're unable to do any more and something goes wrong, then just move on. And I'm quite lucky. I'm the kind of person who does not, if somebody says to me, what's the worst thing that's happened in your life? I can't think of any bad things. <laughs> I, I, they, um, uh, you know, I'm always an optimist, always positive. And even in times of adversity, you've got to, you've got to be an optimist and you've got to surround yourself with people who are optimistic and battle your way through it and um, you know, do your best, do your absolute best to survive. 
And is there anything in your history where you have made that kind of a tough decision, um, you know, with maybe Virgin Cola or anything else where you said, we're going to fight, we're going to fight, I'm an optimist, but now is the time for me to say, we're done, we're moving on to the next thing. I think, uh, I mean, Cola was the, the, the most public company that we, we had that just didn't work out. I mean, it, it started fantastically well. We were out selling Coke and Pepsi and, and we were dreaming that we we're going to become the biggest brand in the world. And then we made the mistake of going into America, Richard driving a Sherman tank into Times Square and quash, quashing all the Coke cans and the Pepsi cans and cola was spraying everywhere and uh, and then turning the turret of the tank on, on the Coca-Cola sign the other end of Times Square. Anyway, the Coke were not amused. And the next day, um, the um, DC-10 was readied on, uh, in Atlanta. They, it was filled up with squat teams and filled up with money. And wherever Virgin Cola was in, in any store in the UK or Europe, our cola just disappeared. And literally, they kneecapped us. British Airways tried a similar thing against Virgin. And because Virgin Atlantic was a better quality than BA, they failed. Um, and I think you know what we learned from this was you know, make sure that any business that you start is a quality business, um, that you offer great value for money, uh, that it's, you know, it's very different from the competition. And then even if these bigger companies turn their guns on you, you should be able to survive. Um, a can of cola, you know, it's much of a muchness. And so we didn't, we haven't made the mistake of going into something like that since. Would love to understand how you're thinking about your environmental work. One of the areas where you you are most passionate is about uh, investing in or making sure that climate change issues are brought to the top, that you're funding uh, climate change questions and how we can fight any kind of environmental devastation. Are you still able to do that even during this downturn and during the pandemic? Is that something you're able to focus on? Are you focusing on it more? How do you think about it when there are also businesses to save and other massive issues going on? Yeah, when I was about 50, we decided to be entrepreneurial in actually setting up organizations that could make a difference in the world. And in the same way that we set up organizations to make money. And so one of the organizations we set up, um, helped set up was called The Elders, which was a group of 12 very, very well-respected people in the world who could speak out on issues like climate change, um, who could intervene when there was a conflict and so on. And Nelson Mandela set it up originally. And then um, Kofi Annan took over the chairmanship, Archbishop Tutu, and now Mary Robinson runs the elders. And, you know, at the Paris talks, they were there working very hard to support, you know, to try to push any wavering country into accepting the Paris climate change talks. And then, you know, we recent, more recently, we set up the B team, which is a group of some of the most respected business leaders in the world. You know, I did chair it, Paul Pullman now chairs it. And these big business groups are trying to get their own house in order, but also showing other companies how they can get their house in order. And I think business, you know, business people, and there are a lot maybe listening today, we do need to play a much bigger role than just making the money. We need to use our entrepreneurial skills to look at setting up organizations to try to tackle some of the problems of this world and or just the problems of your local street or your local town. And I think if, if we all could spend a bit of our time and energy on that, it would A, be very satisfying for yourself as an individual. It'll be very motivating for all your staff. And if we can get every business to do this, then the world's problems um, hopefully can become a thing of the past. What do you say to people, business leaders who say, look, I'm just trying to save my company right now. I'm trying to help my employees. I'm trying to make sure I keep people 
uh, I need to keep my, my teams employed. The only thing I can focus on right now is saving my company and maybe figuring out how to work from home, you know, while you've got kids in virtual school and you're trying to make all this work. And now Richard Branson is saying to me, also figure out how to set up these side businesses to save, you know, to, to save the planet. If you're fighting to survive, obviously survival is critical and you can't do anything for other people if you don't survive. Um, I mean, the way I compare it is, you know, draw a circle around yourself and make sure that what's inside that circle is healthy, well, and if it's a business, hopefully that, you know, you're being able to pay the bills. Uh, Only then can you then draw a bigger circle around maybe your street um, and then you can start helping your neighbours, helping your family, helping other people. If that goes well, then draw a bigger circle around your city. If that goes well, draw a circle around your country. And if that goes well, you can draw a circle around the world and try to tackle global problems. But absolutely, you know, do not try to do all these things uh, if you're fighting to survive. I mean, um, because you're not going to be able to achieve anything if, it, if, you, don't, if you don't survive. Um, so don't feel that you're being selfish just to put all, all your energy into survival. That's great. Well, Richard, thank you so much for joining us here today. That was Sir Richard Branson. Survive, be optimistic, think about what's next. Don't let setbacks derail you. There were so many great takeaways in our conversation. What piece of advice spoke to you the most? I would love to know. Let me know over on LinkedIn using the hashtag, this is working. As always, to get more news and insights, you can follow our main LinkedIn page, which you can find by searching for LinkedIn News. Please take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps listeners find the show. This is Working as a Production of LinkedIn. The podcast was produced by Sarah Storm with help from Michaela Greer. Joe DiGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Iriando is head of original video and audio. Dave Pond is our technical director. I'm Dan Roth, LinkedIn's editor-in-chief. Stay strong. See you next week.